Hi, I'm Sharon Jones, Head of Digital Innovation at the King's Fund, and today I'm speaking to our very own Pratesh Mystery, Digital Technologies Fellow from the Policy Team. Our topic of discussion is curiosity and how nurturing a curious mind can be beneficial in the workplace. Can you tell us a little bit about what a digital fellow does? This sounds a bit like a role that didn't exist, you know, a couple of decades ago. Yeah, um, so it's a relatively new role, I suppose, but in some ways it's also partly an old post that's an extension of the well-established role of the policy fellow. But I focus on digital technologies, which are, I suppose in some ways quite new in health and care, um, but we've all been using digital technologies for a long time. So, you know, as part of a policy fellow, we research and learn about what's happening in the NHS and social care, and we try and ensure that government plans and decisions are best for patients and staff. And as part of that, I focus on the kind of the tech stuff. I suppose the things that I like to focus around are the culture, co-development, you know, what works for users, the skills, and there's that whole kind of, there's a lot of evangelicism about technology and what's possible. But I think it's a lot of what can be made to happen is down to us and it's how people use the technology and what we're comfortable with and some, some, sometimes that can be simply with deciding what we mean by getting the best from technology so yeah I focus on digital technologies probably less around the technology itself and more around the people part of it. Yeah, that sounds about right with you know if you're going to embed these practices and, and technology it always has to start with people. I would imagine in your role you need to have quite a curious mind what does curiosity mean to you and how does it apply to your everyday work? This is a great question. To be honest, I think everyone is curious. I, I think, yeah, we, we all start as, as kids as being really curious and trying to find out what's happening in the world and trying to understand the world. And that kind of, we carry that with us all through our lives. And I think what matters is where you direct that curiosity and the time and the space you have to the, bring that back to what you're doing. So you can be curious about sport, cooking, tech, design, music, anything really. And there's so much to learn about us and continue to find out. And it's amazing how much is going on in the world. And I think curiosity is so can be you know, thought of as many different ways is kind of you know, the, the entertainment side of curiosity. What new music is there out there? What's happening in my favourite show? Or, you know, what, what, you know, in a similar vein, what are my colleagues doing this weekend? And that kind of curiosity about our colleagues helps to understand, you know, who we're working with, what their interests are, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, how they work, how they don't work. And then maybe there's a more directive kind of curiosity that starts with a, a specific question and it might lead to a rabbit hole of facts and interesting things and you you follow your curiosity i'm sure we've all fallen down rabbit holes and not really ended up where we thought we'd end up and you know we learned a lot of things along the way so yeah recently i was reading, reading about the a-level results that were just yesterday um as we're recording this and yeah, you know, what happened in the last two years with the lockdowns and how AI has been applied and why didn't that work? And yes, it's about A-level results, and but yes, it's also about AI and that's having applications in healthcare. And some of that might be kind of you know, what the problems might also be happening in healthcare. So some of that is, is directive curiosity as well. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Did you want to, I just wanted to rewind a bit of your answer there and talk a bit about that AI bit did you want to talk about why it might not have worked in um in that A-level kind of setting just as an example and make it quite you know accessible for our listeners yeah sure so I suppose in the, I mean in in the way that it's in a parallel with healthcare in some in some um, respects is that there's this expectation of AI that it can do a lot whereas in reality it can do some things very well and those things that it can do very well are very specific and so when you try and get a bit of technology to do something bigger, 
than it's well suited for, then it fails. And that's what we found with some of the AI in the A-level results. It can get you so far, like with self-driving cars, for example, it can do, uh, it can keep you in the lane, but it can't deal with uh, spontaneous occurrences. And, and so you still need to have someone there to help drive the car. So you still need to have someone there to check the A-level results. You still need to have someone there to check your test results because it can't, it can deal with maybe 50% but it's the other 50% of things that aren't usual. What do you think about, um, I know we talked about this earlier in the week, about the idea of like AI helping with writing. So, you know, if we have a, a whole team who, who are writers here, how could AI potentially help with that or not help with that? I know it's going down an AI rabbit hole, but I just want to explore this before I get to my other questions. Yeah, no problem. So I think it's up to the people. Like I say, it's, it's what we're comfortable with. There's still people out there who create art with film photography, for example, but there's people who use digital photography. So it depends on how we want to work and what's the best tools that allow us to do what we want to do. And that's the impact and how people can generate that impact and what brings the human creativity when it comes to writing and it, when it's available to flourish and how does AI support to do that. So the way it's currently being experimented with in terms of Books, uh, authorship of books and writing of books is very much, you can seed it with a sentence and it can help to complete that sentence. In some ways, it's, you know, I use a thesaurus the same way. I'll have a word and I think, actually, that's not quite the right word or I've used that word too many times. And maybe I'd like to use a different word or has a more specific meaning or quite a, you know, a nuanced, different meaning. And yeah, that, that's kind of what we're doing in some ways with AI. It helps to kind of seed what the next part of the story the writing might look like mm, that's really really fascinating so back to curiosity what are the common barriers when trying to create a curious culture within an organization and what can be done to enhance that kind of thinking i think there's there's a number of things it's it's about the people it's about the leadership it's about the culture and the, the environment i think there's something about having a culture that has a willingness to experiment and encourages a willingness to experiment so that might be helping people to have time to have ideas encouragement to act upon ideas but with direction of empowerment so that's a kind of a leadership kind of thing it, it's a consideration of how do we move away from a sunken cost mindset so that whole kind of idea of well we already have say a, a whole package of, of technology in our license with microsoft so we've got teams we've got outlook we've got a whiteboard and you know we've got multiple other things as well most of which we probably don't even use but there might be other tools that are specifically around, say, the chat function in Teams. So you've got Slack, for example, which yeah, has had a massive following and it's been really evangelized about. But if we continue to think about, well, we've got this Microsoft license that already does the same thing. Well, does it or does it not? And, and you've got these other standalone technologies. So how do we move away from thinking about, well, we've already paid for that, so we need to use that, as opposed to, well, how do we try and understand what else is out there and continue to move forward. We need to be open to change. So curious about how our job can change, how organizations can change, what could be better and how do we work together to be better. And part of that is also learning why others think differently, being open and listening to others' perspectives on that. So being able to test your own perspectives. And that's part of curiosity in a different way. And I suppose I'd really, <laughs> the last thing would be to add, um, make it easy to make change happen. So how do we how do we let people support people to make little changes that add up to be big changes? If it's going to be a grind to make any change, then it's going to have to really, really matter to make a change. 
but you can make lots of little changes to make life easier. Yeah, that's important. And because a lot of your work is, well, solely in the digital space, are there technologies that you know about that aid curiosity or is it just a mindset thing? I think it's it's a little bit of both. It's how we direct our curiosity. And I think that's changed hugely, largely down to technology. So there's there's more access to different ways to learn things. There's obviously news, there's social media, there's you, know, you can get text message groups and, and there's Reddit, there's podcasts, there's videos, there's audiobooks, Netflix has a series about the future and one episode is about health. I wouldn't really advise it. I think it's quite fluffy. But I mean, it's there, it gets you thinking. So there's lots of ways of accessing things and and exploring your curiosity and makes it easier than ever so do you think it could actually overwhelm people because there is so much choice yeah partly and that's that's why like i was going to start touching upon is the mindset part and that's that's how you direct your curiosity i mean our attention span mind's never been more eroded in many ways (laughs) so yeah it's uh, partly our attention span it's uh where do we place our curiosity it's really easy to get stuck in like doom scrolling or part of uh some attention grabbing part of social media but it's how do we then get out of that and think about uh, okay, what have I learned? Or how do you reflect on what you've learned and bring it back to our everyday lives and the work that we do? Do you think, given that, you know, we are generally quite curious creatures and we're kind of born that way as from children, but it kind of changes as we're adults, although we are, you know, might be following hobbies, etc. Do you think curiosity can be like learned in a directed way? And, you know, can you sort of break habits that you may have and kind of unlearn to um, try new ways of thinking? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think we're all constantly evolving as people and we can all get good habits and bad habits. And it's it's about, you know, it's about having the pressure release of the bad habits that we need as humans. And and sometimes you do just need to dip into social media and have a little bit of a time away. And sometimes you you, you can dip into social media and and learn some good things as well. But it's it's having less of a time-wasty kind of curiosity and, and more of the directed good habits of, of curiosity and I think that can also be a bit of a difficult habit one of the things that, that I'm that's been my my worst habit around curiosity is that it's can be quite undirected it's then the the loop of well what does that mean is that actually useful then it could be very you know very variable for for the work that i do from the technology itself and how it's being applied in say like military or you know how startups are having success in china and how the culture makes such a huge difference to to how technology is being used and what people are comfortable with in different countries and different cities and different places do you think that uh, remote working aids or hinders the opportunity to be curious within the workplace so again i think it, you know it kind of, kind of cuts both ways to be absolutely honest i think yeah you you do have to be more deliberate to speak and meet with people that you wouldn't often come across and so that's that kind of relational curiosity as you get to learn and, and more of your more about your colleagues and that might be more difficult to do just recently I had a great chat with a colleague who works in the cafe about single-use coffee cups and the wastage that, that these kind of create and they, they were talking about how they wanted to you know make the, the fund a greener place in essence um, and I was talking about the coffee shop around the corner that has compostable cups but I only knew about that because someone else had told me about this coffee shop because we had an interesting conversation about coffee but these are all kind of like you know uh, conversations that you don't structure 
And when you're working remotely, it can be more difficult to have that kind of conversation. But it doesn't mean that you can't. It just means you have to be more deliberate about having an unstructured conversation, which is can be scary for some when you're used to having a meeting with a particular agenda and things that you want to discuss. But then, you know, most of us enjoy a chat. We enjoy having a break in the day. And it's great to get to know our colleagues and people a bit better. And it's, it's amazing what you can learn by doing so. And then the, the yes part of it is, is, like I said, the technology enables us to do many different things in different ways. And we can swap our commute for reading a book or listening to a podcast, having a walk and things like that. And that then changes how we use the building, how we work with colleagues across different like, geographies in different places. So, yeah, I mean, I recently started having breakfast in the cafe. It's a school holiday, so I've got a little bit more time. Um, and I find that people stop by and have a chat. And it's people from across the fund. Whereas if I go into the fund and work from our particular office, I will see people from the team, but maybe not across the fund. It makes me think about how we can better use our working space and make us connect a bit better, because I'm not sure the office space really allows us to do that, to be honest. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds kind of spot on. And if you're sitting in that cafe and you come across people that you wouldn't have necessarily spoken to, and then you, those conversations can lead to other really interesting things, it's like, you know, it, it does make things a lot, I don't know, more obviously nicer, but that might spark a conversation or spark some curiosity in a way that wouldn't have happened if you were somewhere else. Absolutely. Some of the best conversations I've had in the fun to date. So say you're listening to this and thinking, how does this apply to me? What three ways can you suggest that anyone from any part of the organisation can use curiosity to aid their work? So three things. I'd say firstly, be curious, but also think about where you direct that curiosity. I'd say ask questions and try to find out the answers. So don't be afraid to ask a silly question. There's no such thing as a silly question. And you learn so much from asking questions. And thirdly, enjoy being curious, learning and trying to take what you have learned into your everyday life. Brilliant. That sounds really helpful. Thanks so much for taking part, Pratesh. That was great. And also thanks for everyone listening. I hope that's given you a lot of food for thought. This is just one of a series of in-house podcasts for the King's Fund, all about various aspects of digital workplace transformation. Bye for now.